will definitely not shut up and dribble. The champ is here. I must be the greatest. The champ is here. I'm going to continue to stand with the people. The champ is here. I will, I will not, not lose. lose. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with we. My name is EJ, and I got my man, MH, is the DB of the show, and we are Black in Sports, giving a voice to the culture that won't shut up and dribble. Here, interviewing the best professionals in the game and in the boardroom, covering it all, laughing it all, while providing a platform to be heard. So you know what we do about this time. We want to welcome, all right. We have one of sports journalists, badass black women killing the game. She's an analyst on ESPN, MSGPM Network, ACC. I got a couple more acronyms for you. You ready? I got FS1, WNBA Twitter, and so forth and so on. I mean, she's been on podcasts around the world, and now she's jumping on the mics with us. So please, please clap it up for Monica McNutt. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> All right, Monica, look, thank you for jumping on. And, you know, we appreciate you because you do so many things. I mean, you just turn on the TV and you're there. But how we want to start the how we want to start the show is a shoot your shot moment. So, you know, a lot of people, especially um, in the game that you're in, you know, you have to hustle. You have to shoot your shot. But just give us a specific moment or a time when you shot your shot. Now, it could have been in school. It could have been while you're playing days. It could have been, you know, chasing the men and the men chasing you. But just a shoot your shot moment. <laughs> Um, well, I am a shooter in all of the above categories, quite honestly. Although I've stuck oh. doing my shot with the fellas, I'm good and content. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did we do it? We do it like that, huh? <laughs> um, all right, so shoot your shot moment. All right, I'll go to starting my career. I was at a NABJ Excellence event here in DC, and Leon Harris was at CNN, big time career. He was an evening anchor here in DC. And he was at the event. And I'm literally like working at Prince George's Community Television at the time. A friend of mine had an extra ticket, so I went. Um, and I see him, and I tap him on the shoulder, and I'm like, hey, Leon, like, I've watched you for years. I'm realizing that that's not a compliment to industry folks. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched you for years. I've grown up in the area. I played sports here. I knew that ABC7 at the time was about to have a sports opening, so I sh full-on shot my shot. Let's go. He turned around. He's like, Monica, great to meet you. Let me introduce you. He turns around and taps the news director. And he's like, this is the guy you need to meet. Um, so we chat, taller white dude, Bill Lord, who was, I just, I didn't know how important he would be to my path. Uh -huh. um, then follow-up emails the following week. Bill's like, I don't know what we've got going on, but come chat with me. Come to my office. Let's meet. I'm thinking, y'all know how the networking game goes. You take so yeah. many things and like, okay, cool. Eventually one of these seeds will one bear some right. um, Bill called me a week later and was like, listen, you don't have enough experience for our Channel 7 sports anchor position, but I've got a reporter position on our cable sister station that's open. I'll let you cover sports and we can figure out the role from there. Are you interested? I'm like, yes, of course <laughs> I'm interested. Um, so All day. That was like foot one maybe for two uh, in the door in the game. Um, and that was a big time moment for me. Love it. So where did your love for sports start? Um, my dad, I played sports growing up. I, we had a short love affair with track and field. Um, first it was actually tennis for me. Um, but my dad was a high school referee, high school basketball referee. And so I would tag along with him to games. And I remember being like, dad, I want to do that. I want to play. Um, and that's kind of how it happened. 
So you say you had a short uh, career in the track and field game. It, w- w- was that the 400 that, that took that, <laughs> to you that career? Or? You know what? Honestly, it was the sprints that got me. Because mm-hmm. you know how you go into something thinking that you are talented and you belong, and then you get smoked, and it's like, wait a minute. This is not Hold what up. strengths are. <laughs> this is it. I think not. Um, so it was actually just the sprints that got me. Uh, I actually enjoy running. Like in college, as a part of our training, and still now, I don't go on crazy runs. I prefer to get on a bike, but you know, like a couple miles, three miles, probably at the most. Like I, I do enjoy running. Okay. So, so pops being a, a official and a referee, and you you know, as an athlete, you know how tough it is on officials and referee. Was that ever tough on you, uh, witnessing that? So no, and it's funny. I was thinking about this earlier, MH, because you know I got all these different shots I want to shoot in terms of projects uh, in my <laughs> mind, and my dad was like a pretty known referee in this area. And the DMV, DC, Maryland, and Virginia, I know y'all coming to me from the West Coast for this pod, so let me get the lingo together. (laughs) (laughs) The DMV is DC, Maryland, and Virginia, and the metro area is a well-documented hotbed of high school athletes. I mean, right now, you know, Kevin Durant hails from our area. Shout out to KD, whatever. Um, My dad was on that scene. Like, he was... He ref KD, Mike Beasley, Nolan Smith, like all those guys that are pros at one point or another, my dad was calling their games. And so my dad's style was very much, I'm not here to be the story. And you had to really go overboard for my dad to tee anybody up. So mm-hmm. I always saw him talking to players on the court, talking to refs, like, I mean, we're talking to other coaches. And even if they were hot, he would just kind of laugh and smile and kind of bring the whole thing down. So there was one time that I was like, oh my God, dad, are we going to, are we safe? <laughs> Big time. Um, and I want to say it was the state tournament because it was more than just a regular season game. It was down the stretch. Oxon Hill High School, I think I want to say Lamar Butler was there who went on to lead George Mason to that final four run. I want to mm-hmm. say he was still there, but I'm not sure. It might have been Mike Sweeney might have still been there before he went to Georgetown. But anyway, Oxon Hill High School, I don't remember who they were playing. It's a three man crew because we're late heading toward, you know, the state championships. My dad didn't make this call. His partner, Keith made this call and ultimately like he put the visiting team on the free throw line to win the game like and Oxen Hill was erupting right so I remember we had to get a police escort to the locker room and I'm like with my dad like I'm with my dad and these two other referee dudes who are like I would tag along so they knew who I was we had to get a police escort to the locker room and we had to get a police escort to the cars and before we left the building I can't remember who it was some teacher you know how teachers had all them keys he had the keys to the <laughs> They rushed there and like told Keith how terrible that call was and he would never referee a game at this high school again. And I'm like, are we okay, my dad? So, and of course, my dad using humor again to kind of diffuse the situation. Not that it was very successful, but he was, he was cool. Meanwhile, I'm like, oh my God. Um, so that's one that stands out. But in general, my rule for my dad was just, you're not going to disrespect officials. Like he appreciated all that mm-hmm. went into it. And so more than anything, I was able to have conversations with refs, you know, respectfully. Sure. Sure. Now, did he coach you um, all through, like, how often did he coach you? Through high school or just when you started out? So my dad coached my AAU team. Um, and then, you know, he was my Drew Hanlon, if I may. Like, he was my <laughs> workout guy. We was in the gym every Saturday morning, um, above and beyond whatever was asked uh, by my team at the time. But he was an assistant on my AAU squad. But other than that, um, he really wasn't my coach, no. Got you. 
And so um, I'm jumping fast forward and MH bring us back if we need to. But I mean, I want to get right into Georgetown. How was that the decision? How was the recruiting process, you know, coming out of high school? Um, how did you ultimately end up there? So my mom wanted me to go to Princeton. <laughs> mm. She like okay. really wanted me to go to Princeton. And I went, I had gone to private school all the way through. And so I, I did have this compass in terms of what the degree would mean afterward. I didn't necessarily see myself as a professional athlete. Um, so that was part of my thought process. But the other part was I wanted to play. Sure, I got recruited by bigger schools. Maryland at the time had just come off of their national championship, mm-hmm. I believe, and that was 05, 05, 06, somewhere in there, because I graduated 07. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I was West Virginia, other big East schools. Like, I got a decent attention. I got decent attention on the recruiting circuit, but I wanted to play. And so when I went to Georgetown on my official visit, first of all, they swindled me because I had a <laughs> sit-down session with Big John, like, in his office. Oh, like, oh come on. Right? Like, Mike, he's, he's long retired at this point. He's just, he's the program. Gotcha. Um, and I remember him asking me about who else was recruiting me. And he was just kind of uh-huh. like, mm. and then he was like, well, where do you want to go? And I was like, I think I want to come here. But my mom wants me to go to Princeton. He was like, you don't want to go there, do you? And I was like, no. But he, even at that point in his office, and you'll hear any of his players talk about this. He talked about the power of the ball in terms of getting a degree. And so he said, you know, this degree, there's nothing that compares to a degree from Georgetown. You have an opportunity to play ball. And so he was super complimentary in that regard. Um, But I wanted to play. The degree meant something. And I remember telling my parents, I could pretend that I'm in Africa if I want to, even though the school was like 25 minutes away from my house. Um, But in, in all honesty, my parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles have been such an intricate part of my journey in basketball in terms of schlepping us back and forth to AAU tournaments, high school tournaments, the whole bit. Part of that process was why would I make it difficult for them to continue to support me? So Georgetown it was. So you were a guard at Georgetown. I guess describe as best you can. Give us a scouting report on your game. Don't let her shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Make her put the ball on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even going to hold you. Like The handles wasn't my thing. I remember one time we were in St. Thomas for the Paradise Jam. We were playing Tennessee. (laughs) And mind you, working out with my dad, I did dribbling drills. There was just a gap in the implementation. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I went behind my back. I remember in the game being like, did I just do that? (laughs) (laughs) I came at the end of the game. My teammate was like, I just turned turned to Shaw. Like my other two teammates was like, did Monty just go behind her back? Like, what? Um, But I was at the top of our press. I took a lot of pride in that. And I was just really active, you know, on the glass, all that. But, you know, three-point shooting was definitely my thing. So real quick, being a college athlete and, you know, the recent uh, NIL that's that's in college game now, you know, how do you think that's going to impact the current game or, you know, how would that would have impacted your decision-making as you went through college? I hope, if y'all will grab on and go down this rabbit hole with me for a second, we hear. I hope that it empowers our HBCUs. Right. Mm -hmm. Because when I now think of an athlete's buying power, because these accounts go crazy when they're in eighth grade, that (laughs) is established by the time you decide I'm going to spend one or even if I'm a four year player. Right. Right. The opportunity, the the opportunity and the earning power is there with or without the blue blood black backing you. Mm -hmm. So I would love to see more young people thinking like McCormaker. Right. And let's see how we can help some of our institutions. 
Now, in contrast, there's nothing quite like a blue blood that's going to be in the NCAA tournament and what that can do for your marketing. So I'm not putting that on these young people because you should control your own destiny. But that is one thing that I've thought about a lot over the course of NIL in terms of the type of avenues that that might be able to open up. But in general, I actually had an interview to talk with a couple guys who launched a company trying to help bridge the gap between branding opportunities and student athletes. And the more I talk with my alma mater in Georgetown and other college coaches, they're on board with helping these kids best navigate it. Because my argument always was, instead of telling me about how detrimental it will be to their process, put somebody on staff to help them in the same way I had athletic trainers, academic trainers, nutrition. And so it seems that that thought process has been adopted. Will there be some casualties, y'all? Somebody who jeopardizes their future in a bad deal? Sure. But that's called life and new things. There's always one or two, right? <laughs> um, and so as I think of NIL, I think it becomes extremely imperative that these young people and their parents are mindful of who they're trusting right? Um, and that they're smart about it. But for example, as a women's basketball player, that arguably, if you don't go to the WNBA, we know how difficult that can be. That's right. arguably the biggest window of your earning power behind sports. Mm-hmm. And so why not? I mean, I worked in college. Like the way a regular student has the opportunity to work, so should the student athletes. Totally, totally agree. And then Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. How is that? Just being in the NCAA tournament, uh, how is that? Um, NCAA tournament is super dope. The per diem is like better. <laughs> you know, I, was, I, was, I wasn't under this NIL, so we was broke. Every dollar <laughs> mattered, right? Like, <laughs> You get per diem, but you get meals too. So stack your per diem. You can get them kicks when you get back. Let's go. <laughs> um, uh, NCAA tournament is is so it's just iconic, right? Like mm-hmm. there's press conferences, everything's blue. Your towels towels say NCAA tournament. Like you're on TV. Um, it, it's really, really a unique experience. And I think in my process to decide on Georgetown, they hadn't been 1993. Yeah. I was the last time they had gone to the NCAA tournament until my junior year. And so mm-hmm. for me, not only did I have the opportunity to play, my name is in Georgetown record books. We took the team back to the NCAA tournament. It was meaningful playing time um, for me. So I was very, very, very proud of that. Uh, that Sweet 16 in particular, yo, it was the third, might have been the fourth time, because I think we played, we might have played UConn twice in regular season because of the conference, and then we saw them in the Big East tournament. So it might have been the fourth time we played UConn. That's we crazy. lost six. Like, that was mm. nice. Like, we was we were right there. Um, and for a long time, I strongly felt that my career would have panned out differently if we actually pulled that win off. But it's all good. God has a plan. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. There you go. So – you mentioned getting swindled. So was that the only time that you got to see Big John? And, and you know, if people don't know um, RIP, but uh, Coach Thompson, did you get any other time with him or was he involved at all during your time at school? A hundred percent. I mean, oh. he was not, I'm not going to be disillusioned. He wasn't involved with the women's program the way that he was with the men's program, but he did sit in that big oak chair in McDonough Arena during our practice. Um, yes. Speaking of the NCAA tournament, when we knocked off Maryland, he was in our locker room with us. I mean, for me in particular, he knew that I wanted to get into media. So at the time, he was still doing a radio show in D.C. And so we connected on that. And he was very supportive. And the last time I had a chance to see him, he said, uh, he asked me what my updates were. And I shared. And he was right. like, I'm proud of you, girl. Keep going. So um, I to have 
a personal relationship with him. Um, and with his son today, uh, John Thompson III is a great friend, um, former coach of Georgetown as well. So I was very fortunate in that regard. That's dope. I'm always interested uh, because, you know, you kind of find yourself in college or at least that's the same. Um, and you may have a career when you go in and then, you know, when you graduate, you might want to do something else. Mm-hmm. And I'm always super interested in those that had a plan of what they wanted to do and are executing it now like you. Um, I guess when did that start for you? Uh, how how quick did you know, like, hey, this is what I wanted to do, journalism and broadcast, um, and then succeed it all the way through? How was that process for you? So I think I went in, I, went, I wanted to be a chef for a while, which Georgetown couldn't help me with. And then I, <laughs> and then I wanted to be um, like sports, fitness, and nutrition, like okay. science. I enjoyed the weight room. I didn't have necessarily the record numbers, but I enjoyed like that process and our bodies and all of that. It wasn't until my junior year, actually, I took a journalism course okay. and I caught the bug from there. I remember our first assignment, Althea Knight was the professor who, again, I could shoot her email now and I'm sure we'd exchange pleasantries and catch up a little bit. Um, our first, we walked in the classroom the first day and she goes, write down three questions or three things that you're curious about. And ultimately that turned into our final project in the, in the course. And one of mine was, why was it that so many nail salons were run by people of Asian descent? Um, I was in, I've always been into my nails, like painting my own nails. Like that's a whole thing for me. It's like my self-care. Um, right. And so at the end of the class, that was my final project to find this out. And so I had to do this reporting and I talked to my favorite folks at the nail salon that I went to. And we got into this whole story about the history of this actress, Tippi Hendren, and how she brought someone over back in the day in the 50s. She was an actress, and like this whole thing. And I just like was bit by this journalism bug in terms of asking questions, getting answers, telling stories. Um, and then... Our sports information director, I was always the person to talk to media as a captain. One day she turned to me and said, Ma, you're good at this. Like, you should consider going into this. Um, and I think this was my mm-hmm. senior year where, full disclosure, y'all, I was an emotional wreck because it was like, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I don't want it to end. Like, it's been so much fun. <laughs> um, right. So dramatic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm, it's starting to settle in that I'm probably not going to be a WNBA draft pick. But I know how important sports have been to my identity, to my process. I've seen the power of sports. And so that's kind of how the sports journalism thing. Got it. Um, And yeah, we just kind of started putting two and two together from there. I guess another shoot your shot moment. Um, In high school in the D.C. area, I was honored as an All-Met. So when I graduated from Georgetown, they had an award called Distinguished All-Mets, where they would pick from the high school All-Mets who went on to be dope or whatever, do good things. Mm -hmm. I was selected as one of those winners and i'm sitting at this banquet table hosted by the washington post um wow i shot my shot a lot now i'm thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> and basically said like hey guys like it's, I, I remember lavar errington at the time had a show here i think lavar was at that table i'm pretty sure um there was another dude that hosted a local show mm-hmm. george solomon who was formerly the ombudsman at the washington post and at espn and there's a few other people at the table so basically, I'm like, hey, guys, like, just so y'all know, I'm graduating in May and I'm hoping to get into sports media. So if you guys have any tips, you know, let me know. Holla at your girl. <laughs> George Solomon turns to me and he goes, well, I just took a position as a director of the Shirley Povich Center for Sports Journalism at the University of Maryland. Why don't you come check it out? Little did I know that would ultimately turn into my graduate program as a fellow. Keep the coins low. And I get all of this this arsenal of tools because obviously yeah. I'm playing ball 
Um, I get this arsenal of tools that I now get to combine with my experience as an athlete and be able to technically go out and create stories. Um, and it was just perfect. That's phenomenal. That's good stuff. Shooting your shot really quick. The number 20, is there any story behind that? Or was that just the Jersey you got assigned? Listen, the story <laughs> was, and I'm a professional now, so I got to make sure I tell the story professionally. Okay. <laughs> I was in love with Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> Oh, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. You know, now, now, now you got them going. Oh, boy. Oh, okay. my God. 15. Okay. When I got to Georgetown, it wasn't available. Uh-huh. And then, of course, the next class behind me, they gave it to my girl Morgan. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, Other little twist at the time, we had a little love and basketball thing going, and we wore the same number. So that was like, whatever. But I actually forgot about that until you asked about me. And that part's not important. So anyway, continue. <laughs> Let's go. All right. Uh, anything else before we jump into the game, MH? I'm good. All right, man. So um, I want to bring up the Knicks because since you already got him going, MH is a Knicks fan, you know, so I know he wants to talk about your Knicks coverage and things like that. But just explain the MSG uh, PM like network. Like, is it just basketball or how did you get started with that? All right. So I got to get you together, EJ. The network is MSG Networks. Our show network. is MSG PM. One of Thank the things that I do. Absolutely. Um, One of them. I, I, I'm, I'm tempted to keep up and I'm, and I'm sipping on a little something. So bear with me. You know what I'm saying? So bear with your boy. I got you. No worries. Um, so, I mean, MSG is literally the network might be as old as the garden. I don't know. Um, but that's all under the same sort of umbrella and they have the Knicks coverage. And so this past year, wow, I guess we started the show last October-ish, late October, yeah. when we're approaching. Um, my partner, Kazim Famuide, who's super dope all over everything, like Love Cast, um, he and I are the co-hosts of this very casual sports talk show with different guests, tons of energy. Um, and originally it was a morning show, then we switched it to the night to follow Knicks games. And it's just, I won't call it a free-for-all because our producers work very hard. <laughs> but Kaz and I are likely and do go off the rails. <laughs> it can happen. Um, but it's all in good fun. I mean, we've had a chance like draft night or golly draft night this year. I was so busy. I didn't even get to do the draft night shows. But last year we had Quick and um, Obi come through the show. Like, it, I mean, at different points, I think Nerlens hopped on during summer league. I was I wasn't on the shows, but I'm pretty sure he joined the show then. Um, I think Taj has been through. Uh, so yeah, like Julius has definitely been through, and his wife Kendra, and Baby Kaiden at different points. Yeah, um, oh. then all the OG Knicks come through all the time, and, and we chop it up with them, and they literally talk to you like you know they're your cousins or somebody. Like it's just so chill. That's dope. Um, so yeah, we just we kind of kick it. Jerry Ferrara is a recurring guest all the time. Steve Novak comes through consistently. Spree, like it's just kind of a who's who of Knicks legends. Legends and fans. That's dope. So what are we gonna do? What what what, what are we what are we doing this year? We 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 built off last year. We got we got the the foundation laid. What what are we doing next next? Are you hear him say we? There's a lot of we in there, right? Like oh yeah yeah. <laughs> as long as I'm on the roster, it is we. <laughs> um, you know I. So I am a fan of Dennis Schroeder, and I kind of wanted to see what that looks like potentially. Right? Obviously, yeah. it doesn't. I loved Kimba. Kimba is a little bit past his prime, but you got to bear in mind that last year's schedule and the information that those guys got changed on a dime. Yeah. So anticipated coming into the season post his surgery, like being straight. Yeah. Evan Fournier, to me, 
He's upgraded, upgraded Reggie Bullock. I'm not a hundred. I'm not up on him as a defender because Reggie could put on the straps when you really needed him to. I remember. I mean, in the playoffs, it was only the one game they won, game two. But he did give Trey fits. All right. <laughs> um. So, but I think what I'm excited about in terms of Kemba is there's something to be said, and I think y'all probably can relate to this. There's something to be said when you get to come home, and I think we're hearing that a lot. You know, Russ going out to LA, like there's just a different appreciation, gratitude, dedication. And I've never heard that Kimba's not willing to work, right? Mm-hmm. He's got these injuries. And so I think the combination of Kimba, Tibbs, um, Evan, I think Drew, I would love to see him take the next step. Um, I, I think it would be naive to acknowledge that there were some, not to acknowledge that there were some fortuitous bounces last year and that that group largely was able to stay intact and avoid Definitely. COVID while some of the other Eastern Conference teams really got wrecked by it. Definitely. Um, but if if we know one thing to be true is Tibbs is going to get a team that plays hard in that defense and then you let the chips fall where they may um, I, I'm excited I do think we build especially under the new format you telling me that can't finish top 10 right like, right. get, get play in the game yeah, yeah get play in <laughs> yeah. honestly like I, there's a world for me MH where they're 8 and I mean I know they still would have to do the play in but like they would be they could finish legitimately in the playoff race. Now, the top is heavy. They're going to be healthy. But knock on wood, you hate to see guys get injured, but the game is the game. Like, you just you got to be the best version of yourself when the ball is tipped. Yeah. Yeah. If, if one thing I can say about the Knicks, they're going to play hard every night. Yeah. And, and seeing Kimba, I don't think he has to be Kimba O because he still got Derrick Rose a little bit, and then they can kind of play off each other, so. I'm excited to watch it, and I'm excited then, to see you cover it. So yeah, I'm listen. And D Rose, we love him. Another incredible story. But like to keep it a buck, it's time for Quick to take the next step. Like you That's got the young, the young legs, and now you got yeah. these Deuce McBride, sure, right? Who gonna pour all this information into you? Like it's time for you to stop taking wild shots, and you know what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> 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 so real quick, I'm gonna EJ. I'm gonna jump into my little fan mode right quick. Just, you just what you, just what you, Monica. So, the first time I saw you, this is kind of, it's gonna sound weird. Was uh, I think it was in February, okay. and I think you guys, it was on the MSG Network, and then you were doing something with Black History Month, and I was just kind of doing some research, um, and I think it was, it, it may have just been with the Knicks, uh-huh. uh, and it was a, it was a virtual thing, and I think you guys were kind of going through different parts of the organization and different uh, blacks in the organization. I don't know what it was, about an hour and a half long kind of uh, mm-hmm. program. But I was like, man, her energy is like super dope, like just super dope. And I was like, I'm just going to just keep my eye out, you know, for her name. So I just like her energy. I just like how the whole the whole setup was nice. And then I, obviously we'll get into I just saw you pop up everywhere from then, just kind of recognizing your name. But I was just like, man, I'm, she's an inspiration. I, I think sometimes you hear inspiration is just you know, woman to woman sometimes, but I think you're just a women, uh, inspiration for us all. Your grind and uh, your energy. So that was my little quick fan moment. Sorry to break into it, man. It, it, you, you, you know, so and, and, that, and that's what I told you, like when I met you. Like that's that's real. That's how we feel, and so we're appreciative. And you just got to keep coming. And what's even doper about this is like, um, I think you even posted like on your social, like. Oh my god. <laughs> One year ago, right? Hey, listen, one year ago, 
we were all in that mode, you know, COVID sports was done and like you, you, you shot your shot, right? So you're coming in here and you're like, yo, this is what I want to do. But, um, uh, sports needs to help me out. Like I can't do sports if sports is not around. So just your perseverance and getting that. And so no, definitely flowers and congratulations, you know, on your anniversary today, one year ago today to <laughs> where you are right now. So let's continue to get it, man. So let's just talk about, you know, I remember, and I don't know if it was the first time, but I remember seeing you on around the horn and I'm like, yo, who is that? And I mean, when you came in the damn door, you came in the door, like, yo, I am here. What's up? <laughs> so how was that experience? Like that first time nerves? Like, were you just like, yo, I'm gonna take this shit. I'm supposed to be here. Um, well, first, thank you both. Um, I think for me in this journey, there, there were so many no's. Right. And my mom is always like, girl, count your nose. They're just building to your yes. Right. Mm -hmm. But my experience in this space, um, it is so closely intertwined to who you are. Right. And like your identity. And so it it took me a minute to get firm footing and shout out to God and faith and all that good stuff to be able to separate that part of who I am in terms of not being the catalyst on why I'm worthy of love, right? Like my heart is well taken care of by friends, families, loved ones. Like I have plenty to give. I'm here to make impact. So, um, it's been quite the journey. So to hear that from you guys, I really appreciate that because sometimes I'm like, is this at all impactful? Like it's, it's scores and highlights. It's, it's, it's takes like, is this impactful? And so my mandate is to be an inspiration, particularly for folks that look like us, because Fact. it's tougher to get in that door. It is so much tougher to get in that door. So on that note, EJ, the around the horn thing, again, talk about advocates and allies in the right places. Mm -hmm. There's a woman named Jasmine Ellis, who's now a producer at CNN. Um, actually, she's in upper management at CNN, but she was a longtime sports center producer. And then she worked under Eric Rideholm, who was responsible for a lot of that afternoon programming on ESPN. Okay. She saw fit to launch a program called Here For It TV, which basically groomed folks like us for positions like around the horn, right? Like mm -hmm. since Jamel left, Elle, Elle hopped in as another black woman, but then it was like, Elle's having a baby. Like, where's Elle? Oh, right? So we're watching like, wow, nobody up there. Nobody. <laughs> well, particularly for me, nobody up there looks like a black woman because you would still get, you know, J.A., Clint Yates, and all those guys are great. Um, and so Jazz saw fit that we start this program that would groom us. And because of her connections um, to ESPN, we were basically doing the show on a smaller scale via Zoom, um, and it would go out to ESPN execs and so on and so forth. And so I remember after January 6th, I texted her like, hey, how far away are we? Because I was watching programming that day. Um, it was highly questionable. And it was kind of like, you don't know what to say, do you? Right. Um, and so I'm like, Jazz, how far away are we? And she's like, I'll get back to you. Mm -hmm. I don't know why this always happens to me. Like, I'm doing something ridiculous. Number I don't know, which I usually wouldn't answer. I answer this time in the in the bathroom. Like, I already know what was going down. Absolutely. I'm like, Monica McNutt, why are you calling this phone? Hey, this is Aaron Solomon, the producer of Around the Horn. <laughs> Why are you calling my phone? Hey, new number. Who this? Right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, hey. He's like, are you interested in joining around the horn? I'm like, I am. Sorry about the way I answered the phone. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's like, well, we'd like to have you on next week. Like, we're super excited. And Tony, I can't say enough about Tony Riley, y'all. Like, he's been a mainstay of that program. But he takes such great care of the show, no, the he's people. Dope. Like, Tony pours his heart and soul into it. Like, I don't know if y'all saw the clip from today. He's now on this, like, nasal breathing kick, which is like, what, Tony? He's Hold like, on, yeah. he's he's taking his mouth. Like, <laughs> I'm like, 
okay, Tony. Um, but anyway, so he called me the night before. We had a conversation. He's like, you're great. You've been prepared for this moment. But one thing that's interesting, and I know we can relate, my dad, who's always been very protective of me, he kind of didn't want me to get into this field because he could see the ups and downs. Right. Um, he's like, he's like, Mom, you can't, you can't do a show like that and not be ready, right? Like, granted, we can talk basketball until we blew in the face. Decent on football. We start getting into some other sports. It's like, mm, well, I didn't see that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm learning. Um, and so I said to him, I said, Dad, you know, I love you to death and you've got my back. But I think sometimes in our community, we hear you got to be twice as good because you won't get the opportunity again. And he used his own experiences as a referee. Like if you get on a big stage and blow it, you don't get a call back. And I was right. like, yeah, we hear that. And we hear that instead of looking at our body of work. I was like, I trust the people around me that they wouldn't be putting me in this position to fall on my face. Like, you know what I'm saying? We, You've been with me. We've been in the trenches. We've been grinding at this. And so I love you and I appreciate that for you. But at some point, when you jump out there, like when do you jump out there? Um, and so the jump was solid and here we are. So around, uh, do you hear the points as they go off and up and down like that? Do you, oh, do you hear that? We do. But the points also don't matter. <laughs> like so many people hit me, like, "Why did you lose? Like, why he didn't?" Yeah. <laughs> um, again, Tony is a caretaker. I'm not gonna say he has his mind made up before we start the show, um, but he had like he he wants it's a family, and you know your mom sometimes you ain't get the big piece. Get out to your brother, leave it alone. Like Tony, Tony has a plan. <laughs> No, that's dope. And it is like a family, you know, like I saw they did something for uh, Jackie when, you know, like she was, they was, it was like Jackie Day or something like yeah. that. So it's just, yes, it's just awesome that they do that. Mm-hmm. And even the, uh, I guess, prepping for the show, all the different subjects, that little, you know, short portion of time that you have to talk to kind of get your points across. How is that? Take us about that process. Um, It can be tricky, especially when you feel strongly about something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but again, like I think I don't know if the average TV is kind of hard. Like between the numbers in your mind, wanting to get things right, names, like just sometimes the English language trips you up. Um, TV can be really tricky. I like the format of the show because to me, the best conversations are when we can go back and forth as opposed to one person waxing poetic and then you kind of stuck. Which is why, although First Take is a fantastic platform, it is probably not my favorite show to do. It's a very long show, and they, like, really stick it to you with them questions. And you'd be like, I don't know. Like, that's not realistic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think learning to speak condensely Uh um, for television has been, you know, and that's something that you're completely, constantly, not completely, constantly working on. Um, but that's one thing that I've heard over the years in terms of not wasting your words. And that's a perfect show for that. Gotcha. How do you like HQ? I mean, that seems like a fun show, but it seems like it's long because like, it seems like there's so many edits and things that they put in when they like, you know, take shots of what you did during break and things like that. It is definitely shout out to the editors on HQ. Would they be doing their thing? Because we, we record for like 45 minutes, sometimes an hour, depending on what's going on. And they got to chop it into 22 minutes of airtime. Um, but HQ is cool. I think so much of this, y'all, is who you get to work with, right? Um, and and how you guys connect. And I'm not gonna lie, you know, sometimes there's some jokes that are like, mm, I didn't get that one. <laughs> but then you get to team up with like your crew and like you text each other afterward and you're like, yo, that was a bomb. Like we killed that. Like it was great. Right. I think, um, you know, the industry is a bit of a, pop- a potpourri, um, and I'm proud of the versatility in that regard. Um, and also, again, for me, representation is huge. Like, that's, it's huge. And so whether I love a show or not, 
if a little girl turns on the TV and sees me, like, boom, we win. Yeah. So you're really big on your image as well. Like, you know, you talk about like, you know, you in the I read them like, you know, I am my hair. I am not changing it. You know, you wear the earrings. I was hoping that I was going to see the bamboo earrings, at least two pair tonight. But I mean, why have you made that so important for you? And like, how has that has it been a challenge? I'll say, um, you know, EJ, that's it's so crazy. Um, when I got into the industry, my hair uh-huh. was short. Um, so it was always short. So there was this line of like, okay, I'm, I'm giving them this hair. Let me not give them too much else to take issue with, right? Uh-huh. So it was like, and granted, I'm not, not that you show up to work and the same thing you pulling up to the happy hour in with your homegirls. Like, no, but I was, you know, <laughs> my agent was like, uh, you don't have to dress like a 40-year-old white woman. And I was so hurt. I was like, dude. Do I dress like a 40-year-old white woman? She's like, she's like, you got the hair, the energy, like the vibe. Like, you don't have to do that, right? And so she mind you, in the beginning, you don't have no agent. So she wasn't with me shooting in the gym when it wasn't. <laughs> I got one. <laughs> was like, like, come on, MH. Like, she wasn't with me when it was this balance. Like, she lashed on, and I'm happy with my agent. I'm not bashing her, but she hit. <laughs> like when she was starting to get hot, where we had the cachet to play with it a little bit more, but I didn't right. have that at first, right? And so the professional wardrobe, as I would like to call it, <laughs> um, <laughs> it was it was me trying to balance it out, right? Um, and so now, and it's not lost on me, y'all, the year in which I got hot, like coming off of the summer of racial reckoning, if you buy that, like it's not lost on me that the timing was divine in many ways. Because y'all talking about authenticity. Okay, well, here I am. Like, and don't tell me to change nothing, right? And and they didn't. Now, I'm not saying that my success is a direct result of that because I don't believe that. I graduated from grad school in 2013, been plugging this business in some capacity since then, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not gonna be naive about it. And if any, and to be honest, like it upped my ante in terms of wanting to be visible. Because yeah. we can do this and we do belong and you need this perspective. Um, so when it comes to the earrings and the lipstick and the whole thing, I've earned that now, EJ. And I think it's a delicate balance. Um, I was just having this conversation with NABJ for the mentor breakfast the other day. You got to be able to look in the mirror or lay your head on your pillow at night and be cool with who you are and how you show up. Right. That's not to say that we all don't need constructive criticism at points to put us on the right track. Right. While there were differing opinions about wardrobe, hair, lipstick. The one thing that was consistent amongst people that I trusted in terms of feedback over the course of my journey was polishing. And so to me, polishing was the year that I took, or not year, the time that I spent taking a voice acting class, which helped me think of my voice as a muscle, which helped me slow down in my delivery, understand where to put inflection and emphasis and deliver clearer and more concisely, right? Polishing wasn't 18 inches of weave and like stud earrings like polishing just meant how can I be um the best version of myself that also connects so for me now and I don't always wear the earrings like you pick your spots HQ the earrings are you know when eight around the horn like whatever um but now I have that cachet because there's a body of work that says she's legit facts so I heard in a recent interview that I think you did you said you are a practicing uh journalist Art. Um, what do you mean by that? I, I, I know what you mean, but I just kind of want to hear for our listeners. So that's another mom gem. 
she's like, you know, lawyers say practicing a law practice or doctors are, you know, a medical practice. She's like, we're all practicing something. Um, and so for me, like the idea of practicing applies to all your relationships. You, unless, unless you're trying to get worse. Like if you're trying to get worse, I can't deal with you. <laughs> um, so in terms of practicing journalism, there's a lot of airtime on TV, y'all. And I mm-hmm. haven't stuck my foot in my mouth so far. I don't plan to stick my foot in my mouth, but you don't always nail it. And so I think you got to be able to go watch the tape the same way we did when we was playing or listen to the feedback um, and be better. And so, for example, for me, practicing, practicing for me is like really trying to get into baseball because that's not been something that was near and dear to my heart. But at the same time, I do not want anybody to ever say out their mouth, she up there because she's black. No, I have an educated opinion, a formulated opinion, worked on it. Um, you know, where I have opportunities to attend and beat on the ground, exercising those journalistic muscles, like take advantage of that as well. Um, and so when I say practicing, like there's always room to grow, to improve, to tweak, um, to understand your audience. Because now in this age, your digital audience may be completely different from your first take around the horn audience. And you need to be cognizant of that if you want to be as impactful as possible. Love it. So how do you take on, um, you know, the next task or the next opportunity, right? So we got to see our summer league and I mean, you was looking like a Jamaican out there with like 12 jobs up there. They had you on the jump (laughs) during the morning session and then you're interviewing, you know, live feed content through all the other networks. So one, how did that come about? And then how do you pick and choose what you select to do? Um, Summer league was another shoot your shot moment. Wow. I I do do this a lot. Uh, Get them up. (laughs) Getting them up. Like, and honestly, y'all, like, I think there's a couple things that I always say, like, take yourself with you wherever you go and be proud of that person because your reputation at some point will precede you. Um, I think I truly believe in chasing gratitude because it changes your entire mental. I mean, I guess now as I'm moving through my career, like, you got to be willing to advocate for yourself because if you want who you expect to. Um, When I think back on this year, not just Summer League. Sports Center for me was advocating for myself. Hey, I'm here. I'm interested. I'm available. And then, like, you do one hit, and then it didn't stop until after the finals. Like, <laughs> um, uh, Summer League was the same thing. Like, I hope to get in a, be in a position to call NBA games. Like, all these other roles are cool, but my heart is in sitting in the analyst or play-by-play chair calling action. Like, that's why oh, I yeah. got into this space. That's where I feel most oh. of my energetic. So I called the folks that can make that happen. And while the answer was no, right now our roster is full, it was followed by where will you be during summer league? And it was like finishing the Olympics, I could be available. And so that's <laughs> I love it. So covering the WNBA and covering the NBA, one thing I like about uh, the relationship between the NBA and the WNBA is the craft is the craft, you know. Um, everybody respects everybody's game. So being a former athlete, covering both, where do you see the growth of the WNBA? I mean, it's year 25, baby. Like, we, we lit. Like, we count it. Um, I think the viewership is one obvious way you can see the growth. And I've been really fortunate to be a part of those broadcasts on ABC. I want to say it's up like 44%, um, something crazy. Um, and that just speaks to investing in the women's game, putting it in position to be visible. But to your point, MH, like, and that's been my approach with the game forever, ball is ball. Um, and I think it's funny because, like, NBA players know that and respect it. It's the trolls on Twitter that could right. no way that, like, don't get it. Um, and so um, you think back to last year in the bubble and Kyrie, you know, putting his money where his mouth was in terms of supporting women that sat out in, from the bubble um, and just so many different partnerships and conversations. The time is right in so many ways. 
particularly as we had conversations about the intersection of sports and social justice issues, I was so proud over the course of 2020 that the WNBA as a league, and of course you can highlight a handful of individuals, but there's so many, um, mm-hmm. was given its flowers in terms of a league that has been there. Like that's not new to them. Um, and it's just so unique to the identity as women who in many ways are minorities, if not double minorities, um, they are very true to this and not new to this as Chenea Gumake always says. And so I think the, the NBA, you don't have to tell ballers to respect ballers. And I think that's the energy that you get from that relationship. Who's nice. I mean, we always talk about the growth of the NBA, but like who, who's, who's like real nice to you. Like, Ooh, you, she cold. On a NW? Yeah. Um, I gotta give a shout out to John Quill Jones right now. Uh, she's, you know, another Prince George's County product, Connecticut son, Probably will be the league MVP. She's my MVP for sure. Um, Scotta Diggins-Smith is on a roll as of late. But I think for me, MH, there are names that people know. Yeah. Get into the weeds. Some other names that you need to know. I mean, I think about um, Nafisa Collar, who was on the Olympic team uh, out of UConn. Benajah Laney out of uh, New York. Like, she's had a tremendous um, year so far. I think of who else? I mean, there's just so many to choose from. Lindsey Allen had a terrific game yesterday, like Erica Wheeler in, in Los Angeles. I mean, Brianna Stewart, Sue Bird, like there's, there's so many to choose from. Arike Gumawale, I'm not sure how many mainstream folks know her name, but I mean, even down there, she's got tremendous teammates. And why can't I think of names right now as I'm trying to think of people? Because I'm on the spot. CTV's hard. But there's just so many young and talented young women. And so I'm thrilled that the conversation is beginning to seep below what you deem to be most marketable or most well. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, um, got the quick hits, MH, you ready for those? I am. Give me a favorite R and B. What's your going to go to R and B song there? Oh, song right now or forever? Forever. I can always do miseducation of Lauren Hill, like all the time. Like just play top to bottom. Oh, just play. <laughs> play, right? That and so my best friend and I, uh, Emancipation of Mimi, like we belong together is our karaoke song. <laughs> oh, uh, Mariah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, funniest thing that's happened to you recently? Funniest thing that's happened to me recently. Have I done anything embarrassing? Because that's usually what. Oh, okay, so. <laughs> Like up, I got one. <laughs> one of the producers um, for the jump. Uh, her name is Hillary, and I recently brought her home. And my real estate agent's name is Hillary, right? Um, so this was last week, like after breakfast. I called the wrong Hillary. <laughs> so I'm talking to producer Hillary about my house, and she. I asked her something, and she said no. And in my head, I was like, she should know that. But then I'm just gonna remind her. Like I'm just gonna remind her. So I proceed to keep talking to her about the house stuff. And then she says something else. And I look at the phone and I was like, wait, Hillary, like I'm calling the wrong Hillary. Like, no, no. I was like, but I really appreciate you going with it. And she was like, absolutely, because when you call, I answer and I was gonna figure it out for you. And I was like, That's you cuss, but like you have no idea what I'm talking about. My bad. <laughs> like, Please go enjoy your run. I'm sorry, I'm I'm disrupting. <laughs> Uh, you, you've interviewed many people, but somebody that you have interviewed that you would like to sit down with. Uh, I'd really like to talk to Katie. 
on some home team energy. And like, dude, why are you always, why are you so grouchy? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Please find out. We, we had a, we <laughs> had find a, out for us. Yes, we had a discussion. No. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think Eddie, I would actually like to talk to um, Adam Silver. Mm-hmm. I think from a leadership standpoint, he's done really tremendous things with the league. Um, wow. In the W, I would be curious... There's so many like young up and coming stars, but I, I bet Sue is probably a really great interview. And we've exchanged some, you know, things on Twitter. One time I like was like, "Oh, did she get crossed?" And she was like, "Actually, they stepped on my foot." And I was like, "Clarification." Let me clarify. Um, God, there's so many women in the W who just have so many different projects. Interest. Tina Charles to me is so dope. I mean, Natasha Cloud, and I'm a Mystics fan, so like, and those women are accessible. I think, let me see. I think Katie's probably at the top of my list for right now in sports. That's an open. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been starstruck? And if so, who was that? It was definitely starstruck by Big John, for sure. That initial meeting. And then, okay, starstruck as a professional or just starstruck? <laughs> just starstruck, just whoever. Yeah. So, although I went to Georgetown and I love my alma mater, Boy Sox forever, and boo, juice cues. Y'all know I love to cover Anthony. When Syracuse played at Georgetown, my dad hooked it up so I could be the ball girl. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I'm like under the basket and like, you know, he goes on to be whatever pick he was in the league. And I'm just like, wow. And I I kept thinking like, why is the student section so mean to him? Like, what is going on? So anyway, my mom swears. I don't know if this is true. She swears I came home and was like, he got sweat on the shirt. Like, don't watch this. (laughs) Let's go. I got it. I got it on that. <laughs> that. That is definitely where we were. <laughs> it was like this blue shirt that said Hoyas across. I don't. I definitely remember being starstruck. I don't know if that part is entirely true. <laughs> like, girl. <laughs> Let's go. Shout out to Miles. I got a, just a one quick hit. Um, do you miss writing? I remember I saw that you somewhere had a blog or were part of a magazine. What was it? The Prompt? Do yeah, you miss do you miss writing or was that just something you just did as a pastime or to help build your repertoire? Um, I loved writing. And I think even as a kid in school, like I was an English major in Georgetown at Georgetown before I put the journalism thing together. I love writing. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I still love writing. I, here's my deal, EJ. I, because I, I think because I went to journalism school, right. I have so much respect for boots on the ground folks which oftentimes are writers most consistently. Um, As I move forward through my career, I have voice to everybody on my team, anybody that will listen. Do not have me high up in the studio giving y'all opinions and energy, and I have not been held accountable, shaking a hand, got any intel from being boots on the ground. Um, So I'm open to writing again. Um, I do miss it, but I also understand the beast that, that the machine is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, you know, in a pretty good spot. Thank you, God, <laughs> without writing. Um, right. So I'm not completely bugging about it. But I, I do. If writing was a very clear avenue that would get me back in the field consistently, obviously we got to clear of COVID. Besides mm-hmm. being an analyst, like I love writing and I love a well-written piece. I mean, there's so many great um, journalists that do it. So I'm, I love writing. Gotcha. All right. So just um, next steps. Like, you know, what can we see from you? And I'm, I'm glad you shared that, like being courtside NBA announcing games. I mean, I definitely would love that energy um, sure. to, to, to see that. 
you know, what are the steps you're taking for that? You know, we're definitely going to lift that up. That's a part of that prayer. Let, let's put it together. Let's claim it. Right. Um, what uh, what steps are you just currently taking? Just, you know, continue to be on. on I think you're doing college. You're doing the WNBA. What, what are some of those steps? Well, you know me. I'm shooting all the shots. <laughs> all, hey, you, all, <laughs> all of the shots. Moving baskets, pop a shot, 10 foot. <laughs> like, let's get it. All the shots. Um, and so I think I've, I've learned, EJ, and again, we talked about the three things I would give um, someone coming behind me to hold. That third one in terms of advocating for yourself, that never stops. It, it, it just never stops. And I think you need to have a grace about yourself and the way that you do it. Um, and it's tricky because the networking mindset tends toward transactional relationships. Mm. And it yeah. I would be naive if I said every number in my phone is a homie. That's not the case, right? But there are points where we can connect as people. I'm big on thank you cards. Like I'm big on, if I remember, birthdays. Um, or just for me simply, how are you, right? Like just how right. are you? And sometimes that's a can of worms that, you know, you walk away, right? Well, I'm going I'm to I'm keep you in my thoughts and prayers. And sometimes it becomes a moment where, you know, we can connect. So I think advocating for yourself never stops. You want to do it with grace. And you want, again, wh wherever you go, you take yourself with you to be proud of that. So when you advocate for yourself, and I got this body of work, there's symmetry there and it aligns. Um, and so those are my next steps. Continuing to voice what I want. Um, continuing to be a team player so that when my name comes up, not is it not, it's not only rather that I do good work, but I'm good to work with. Cause that is just as important um in my mind. Cause I've I've heard some horror stories about folks in the business. So um those are my next steps. Like continuing to put out good work that I'm proud of and connect genuinely with folks. So speaking of advocating for yourself, do you want to tell some people where they can where they can find you? Should they just follow you on social and figure out where you're going to be? Cause you never know where you're going to be on next, but yeah, just, just advocate for yourself right now. That's kind of how it goes. EJ. Like, <laughs> I jokingly always said, I got so many jobs cause these job hoes ain't loyal. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, I think that may be coming to an end in the future, but it, it's good. Um, I, right now, everything I do is pretty much on social. I, you know, my week changes. My days change week to week, and I enjoy that right now. So mm -hmm. I can't give you one singular place that I'll be, but just know I'm a B, okay? Let's go. All right, so you dropped a lot of jewels, and we're coming to the end of the show. So, you know, definitely, definitely want to thank you. Um, since you've been dropping jewels um, and, and don't want you to have to go through another quote, but what would you tell your younger self? Hmm. I actually told one of my good friends this this morning. Ride the wave. To put it succinctly, I think you know that the my hunger only hit me with that one year post, and I was like a blubbering mess. But when I look back at it, even the years I was out, y'all, like before the conversation about going to teach English full time, I had been substitute teaching for almost a full year and teaching cycle classes and really hustling to keep this part of my dream alive. Um, but I'm so thankful for that season because it gave me tremendous perspective. And so when I say to one of my mentees, baby, you're going to be okay. I can say, no, I completely understand. I grossed 23 grand in a year one time, like trying to chase this business. Like that's real. Um, and so I think if you are diligent and you honor the craft, the cream is always going to rise to the top, but you got to ride the wave and know that at each point of the wave, the season, whatever word you want to use, there's a lesson. 
Um, and so I think if we do that, I know it's corny, but I legit am of the camp of like, there's no losses, there's just lessons, right? And if it, and if it is a loss, it's going to be a hilarious story along the way because I'm throwing <laughs> all the shade when I tell a story. Um, <laughs> so you, you got to ride the wave. I mean, I think you got to ride the wave. And I would say, give it time, y'all. Like th- even that post, that post shows a year. But September 1st, 2020 was seven years in the game for me. Uh. You know what I mean? So you you got to give it time. And I think in so many ways, I always talk about us being able to take our cues from nature. Yeah. Don't plant a seed and the, the plant pop up in two weeks. Like, unless you got some freak plant that you did something ridiculous to. Like, no. Um, and so you, you really got to give it time um, and just ride it out and know that in each season, there's a lesson. I love it. MH, final thoughts? I think what you just touched on is huge. Uh, I think we all grew up in this microwave society where we expect things pretty quickly. um, And that's not always the case. Um, So taking your time, staying diligent and consistent with your craft, I I think is a big lesson, whatever you want to do in life. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate that. A hundred percent. There it is. Well, Hey, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much for taking the time, you know, working around your schedule, staying up on the east coast for us you know what i mean so we're going to continue to celebrate you and support you so just continue success we you know we loved having you here um and we just want to thank the people for listening i hope you guys enjoyed the show um and please subscribe to our youtube channel because please understand the visual representation matters right so if you can see it you can do it all right and uh please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts man just remember stay safe practice gratitude and know we're rooting for you Screaming, all us blacks got a sports and entertainment until we even. Assuming you're rooting for everybody that's black. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Yeah. 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 Look. Show me I'm rooting for everybody that's black Smap out two racks on handmade new rags Show me I'm rooting for everybody that's black That's everybody from sports to college class to rap and back.